0: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Exodus 16, 11 through 18. Please follow along in your own Bibles, on the screen in front, or simply listen as the passage is read aloud. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp and the next morning the area around the camp was wet with dew when the dew evaporated a flaky substance as fine as frosted uh, frost blanketed the ground the israelites were puzzled when they saw it what is it they asked each other they had no idea what it was and moses told them it is the food the lord has given you to eat there these are the lord's instructions Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. This is the word of the Lord. Please
1: be seated. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Um, Just a slight change. Um, We're going to have to wait on the Jamaican food. Um, There'll be pizza, but uh, uh, the Jamaican was a little slow today, so uh, (laughs) sorry on that. It's not quite like manna, but it's good food. (laughs) Amen. Um, Let's pray as we go to the word of God. Father, we thank you so much for this day and for this opportunity for us to uh, receive your word this morning. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be open, Lord, to hear all that you want uh, to say to us. Um, Thank you for the worship that we've had together. Thank you for the testimony um, by uh, Sister Jess and Lord, we thank you for this season of discernment and also Lenten season. As we are seeking to draw closer to you, we realize, Lord, that as we draw closer to you, you are helping us to trust you all the more. And we pray that even as we study your word this morning, uh, it might challenge our hearts, oh God, in the areas where we have not fully trusted you, oh God. May we surrender those areas and give them over to your lordship today. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, This morning, as I was preparing for uh, the message and, and thinking through... Um, the passage that we're going to be reading in Exodus chapter number 16. Um, I was reminded of an incident that happened, and uh, early on, uh, when Pastor Ophelia and I first got married, uh, one of the things when you first get married is that you begin to learn um, about each other. And one of the things that I also help couples who are in, uh, premarital is help them to understand. What are the uh, tells that each other has? And so uh, one of the things that if you ask Pastor Ophelia, what is Pastor Joseph's tell is that when I'm feeling a certain kind of way, but I don't want to express that, um, I use the word sure. Sure is my catchphrase for everything. Of course, it has to have a little inflection in it, sure. Um, so that can mean, sure, I don't know why you're asking me this question, and could we go on and talk about another subject? Or it could be, sure, you are the most beautiful woman in all the world, and I love you, and I'm sorry I forgot to clean the dishes. All of those encompass a wide myriad of emotions and respect. Responses. And one of the things that I love about the fact of how God created each and every one of us is that God gave us emotions and, and things that we feel on the inside and we all express them in different ways. Amen. Amen. Um, And in that, I remember we were going on a a family trip, and every year uh, our family joins together with our extended family, and we go on a family trip usually to the Outer Banks or to Hilton Head, and um, uh, one particular year we were going on a trip, and if any of you have traveled down to the Outer Banks area, you know that there is a long stretch of bridge. I don't know exactly how many miles um, there is. Um, but basically, it's just bridge and water. And so you look forward, there's water. You look backward, there's water. And then there's actually a part of it where you go underneath in a tunnel and then come back up. So that's so the big boats can travel along the passageway. And as we are traveling along this, uh, one of the extended family members, who will remain unnamed, um, uh, they started to get really, I would say, antsy and really kind of mean. Um, and I, and I, I asked Pastor Ophelia, I said, why is so-and-so mean and uh, acting so mean? And they said, when they're afraid, their response is to act out in anger, not because they're angry at you, but because they're trying to deal with the fear that they had. My question to you this morning as we look through the passage this morning is, what is your fear response? Do you know what happens when you are fearful or when there is a situation that you get into where it seems overwhelming or maybe it seems like you don't have all of the answers put together on how you will answer it? What is the response that you have? Now, what we're going to learn today as we look to the scriptures is that all of us, when we are born, we have a flesh response to fear and situations that overwhelm us. But as we are transformed by the power of the gospel, it teaches us to allow our faith to overcome our fear. Say it with me. Say, faith Faith. overcomes fear." fear. That's going to be something that I want to instill into your hearts this morning as we look to our passage this morning. Last week, as we were studying and we've been on this journey, studying the story of the children of Israel and the Exodus. And we've been studying how God has been leading these group of people to a place, a promised land. And in in this, it helps us even as we as two churches are discerning, Lord, where are we going into this next season? It helps us even in our families as we might have to make decisions about what the future may hold for us. It helps us even in our relationships to understand how do we navigate through times when there is uncertainty that comes in those relationships. And we just recently celebrated here in these last passages a monumentous occurrence as the Lord does a great miracle along the Red Sea. Remember in chapter 14, the Israelites were fleeing Egypt and Pharaoh decided to pursue Sue them, and bring them back to slavery. As the Israelites were camped by the shore of the Red Sea, Pharaoh's armies advanced and surrounded the Israelites. It was this pressure test that first demonstrated what was in the heart of the people. When you want to know what's really in your heart, allow pressure to come in. Allow circumstances that you didn't plan for. Allow things that were not a part of what you foresaw or how you thought God was going to execute things or line up things in the way that you thought they were going to happen and occur. And that will show you what's truly in your heart. If you have your Bibles with me in Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 10, look what happens when the Israelites experienced a pressure test. In Exodus 14 and verse number 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. Now, Pastor Josh preached about this and helped remind us that in the midst of the situation, they were in seemingly an impossible situation. And when they looked up with their natural eyes, what they saw in front of them were only obstacles. Those obstacles were the Pharaoh's army, his best charioteers, and all of them there. And look what happens when they come to this circumstance. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses... (laughs) Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Lest we look at this and say, I can't believe these children of Israel. I don't know if there's a few people here today who can admit we've had a few moments. When the opposition happens or things come in front of us that we did not plan or when there are challenges that come in front of us that we kind of get in our feelings for a moment. Anybody had those experiences? Come on. come on. Anybody had those feelings, those times when those experiences have gone on? These are a part of our lives. And so as we look at it, we recognize the challenge that they were facing. But then we were reminded that the words that the Lord gave to Moses Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. That was a word, a reminder to us that even when we're in the deepest, the hardest situations that we might be facing, we can be reminded of what the Lord said uh, through Moses to the children of Israel to trust that he's fighting for you. And if you stay calm, if you be patient, that the Lord will do his work. And the Lord did exactly that, and they sang about it and made songs about how great the Lord was. When you read in chapter 15, it talks about the song of deliverance that was sang. And they said, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, he has given me victory. Let me ask you something. When's the last time the Lord has done something so miraculous in your life that you just started writing songs about it? That was their response. This was a miracle that happened. The Red Sea is parted. The Lord brings them through. God does a great miraculous song, and then they come together and say, man, this is so amazing. I can't even just keep it to myself. I've got to sing about how good God is. I've got to tell people about how good God is. I've got to share my testimony about how good God is. And so the logical conclusion would be that after this great miracle, after this song of deliverance, After all that had taken place, chapter 16 would be this newfound place of faith. We'd seen the Red Sea parted. We'd see our enemies overcome. But chapter 16 exposes the tension that was still in the hearts of the people of Israel. The Apostle Paul defines this struggle in the book of Romans like this. Romans 7, 14, the Apostle Paul is talking about this tension, and you'll have to recognize that as a believer, this tension will always be there. What did the Apostle Paul say? He said, the trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Till we go back to the grave, there will be a dynamic tension in this life. And that tension is the earthly nature will always try to spring up and overcome the spirit nature. And so what God has transformed and redeemed, there will always be this challenge to go back to the old way, the old method, the old patterns, the old way of solving things. Some of us, we knew, we knew how to solve issues. We had street justice. And so the old man will always be rising up within us to try and fight and try and be able to solve things that way. Some of us, we were schemers. Come on, you don't have to to raise your hand. I won't put you on blast this morning. But some of us, we knew we were schemers BC, before Christ. And what's happening is that even though God has made us new, that old man still tries to creep up. And if we're honest with ourselves, all of us, we have an old man that is always trying to creep up. And faith. Is what overcomes fear. So, what happens? You see, anytime that we go through a period of change, it will always expose what is truly in our hearts. And that challenge is that what we what we don't like to always acknowledge is that while we're going through that change and things come out that are there, that God already knows what's in our heart. And the actuality of it is this. God allows testing so that he can expose what is in our hearts so that we can learn to recognize our dependence on him. Some of us, we thought that, you know, well, if I say I need God, that's a place of lack of maturity. That's a place of, you know, well, why would I have to admit that? But in reality, God helps us to expose what is in our hearts, not to expose us, but to help us to rely on his all-sufficient grace. And so what we see here is that at the end of chapter 15, what happens? At the end of chapter 15, the Israelites murmured and complained. What was in their heart, they were frustrated. They were scared. They weren't sure about what was going to happen. They were moving into uncharted territory. And as they were doing that, they had been traveling for three days without water. And when they finally got to a place called Mara, the water was too bitter for them. Now, the Lord answers their cry by instructing Moses to take a piece of wood, throw it into the water, and then the bitter water was good to drink. But God knew that there was still a lack of trust. Say trust. There was still a lack of trust in their heart. As chapter 16 begins, again, we're thinking that after this great big miracle at the Red Sea, after God does these miraculous things, that they would have faith to be able to say, God, you can do anything. But you see, their natural needs Got in the way. The first was they're, 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 they're uh, thirsty. They were going three days without water. And then as chapter 16 begins, we read a disturbing encounter encounter. Look there in chapter 16, verse number two. It says, "There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron." <laughs> Look what they say there. If only, if only, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. They had a pattern. God places a natural obstacle The flesh raised up. They murmured and complained. They saw the hand of God. Now, the interesting part here was that murmuring and complaining was not the answer that God was looking for. God was teaching them to trust and to rely on him. And so instead of murmuring and complaining, he wanted them to bring their petitions and needs before the Lord and ask what they will. And he would gladly provide as their heavenly father. Our youngest son is three and starting to grow out of some of uh, the baby or childish antics, but still has some of those patterns going on. One of the things that frustrates me when uh, uh, our youngest son wants something um, is that Instead of actually asking me for it, when he doesn't get something he wants, he just begins instantly crying and doing it loudly. If you ever been around a young child and they just want something, but they won't say, what, what, do, what do you want? Ah, I don't know. I'm like, well, I can't give you every, anything if you don't know what you want. And some of you probably saw this antics Last week as he had one crying spell during the corporate prayer time. But in this, sometimes out of grace, I give him what he wants because I know what he wants. But out of it, I want him to grow to a place and a posture where if there is something that he wants or needs, he can feel that he can come to me as his father and ask me. And because I, as his father, want to give him what is best for him, I gladly will consider and meet that need if possible. And God wants us to know that in the midst of our challenges and the situations that we might be facing, God doesn't expect that there won't be challenges from the human side or the flesh side of us. But He wants us to turn that from a murmuring and complaining to a place where we can say, Lord, this is the challenge that is before me. Now, O oh Lord, how can we answer this situation? So the cycle had continued with the Israelites. Now, I understand in this passage what the Israelites were dealing with. Uh, I understand how they were feeling naturally. Uh, they were, in uh, vernacular, we would say they were hangry. Um, and for those of you who don't know what hangry is, hangry is a mix of hungry and tired. Um, and, and, and angry, sorry. <laughs> Amen. I'm a little hangry right now. (laughs) Anyways. um, So I get it. I get what the children of Israel were feeling like. They had traveled all this distance. They didn't have any water. Finally, they get some water. Now they start traveling again, and they're going along, and they're not getting any food. Now, first of all, look at their response. Look at what they said. The Lord should have killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. You ever notice that when you're looking at the grass from the other side, it always looks better? First of all, if the Lord would have killed them, then they wouldn't be eating anything, first point. Second point, stop exaggerating about what the food was like back in the times of slavery. They, I mean, in their minds, they're, they're sitting there thinking about, oh, I remember when we were back in slavery and Pharaoh was just so nice that he would give us filet mignon every day and we just had so much provision. And look at how the Lord doesn't love us. He, we're out here, we don't get any food, we don't get anything. Stop exaggerating. You can look back with wondrous lust, but the reality was, God provided for you back in the time of slavery, and he was going to provide for them now in their time of the wilderness. The third thing that they needed to understand here is that don't trade a long-term provision for a short-term fix. Some of you need to write that down right now. Don't trade long-term provision For a short term fix. I could preach about so many times where the flesh has caused us to make the wrong choice because of what we wanted in the immediate or what we wanted to feel in the right moment or right there in the moment of that. Do you remember in the Old Testament the story of Jacob and Esau? How many people remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Do you remember what happened with Esau? Esau is going around, and he's the uh, firstborn, and he 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 smells his brother making some stew. Now, uh, in, in, in if I was back in Ghana and we were preaching in a in a in a Ghanaian church, I would say, "Oh, it was some Ghana jalof that he smelled his brother and had made some jalof with some stew, and and the meat was nice and good." But you can understand that Esau, in the moment, he sold his birthrights because he was hungry for a moment. The challenge is the enemy will always get us to make an unfair trade. And if you are not cognizant of it, and especially when you are in seasons of change or wilderness, you will sell off long-term what God has for you for the short-term fix of comfort and satisfaction. So what happens? The Israelites they were willing to trade the promise of a land flowing with milk and honey for some meager scraps that they had in bondage let me tell you today don't make the same mistake they made when you see there are challenges that are before you it doesn't mean to not to acknowledge those challenges but in acknowledging those ask the lord lord Is there provision in the midst of this wilderness? Is there something that you have for me in the midst of all of that? And the exact thing of what they could have answered the Lord, the Lord in his grace extended to the children of Israel a manifold blessing of grace unto them. You see, at the end of the day, this experience revealed that the Israelites needed to build up their faith so that they could overcome their fear. (laughs) Excuse me. How do you know that you have let fear overcome your faith? When you wallow in self-pity. When everything's about you. Everything's about how it used to be. Everything was easy back then. Here's the thing. There's probably not one of us in here who have prayed to God for something miraculous to happen. Is that, is that an accurate assessment? We pray to God, Lord, we need something. We need some type of miracle in our life. But the challenge is that in order for you to get from here to where the place of the miracle or the provision is, there's always a wilderness in between. The challenge is if in the wilderness you give up, you never get to the place of provision. What happens as the children of Israel ask the Lord? Well, they murmured and complained, but the Lord out of his grace poured out grace to them. Look there in verse number 4, chapter number 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much food as usual. God made divine provision for them but he made a stipulation on his provision. The stipulations were this. Number one, each household was to gather as much food as needed, but only enough for the day. The second stipulation that he made was that on the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much provision, even uh, enough to last them for that day and the Sabbath day of rest. Two provisions, two stipulations, but in that, how the children of Israel responded to it showed what was truly in their heart. Now, as we wrap up this morning, I share this message this morning, not as a conviction to us to say, oh man, I'm missing the mark but as a reality for us to recognize that some of us don't even know the things that are in our heart today. And God exposes those things not to put us into trouble, but he exposes those things so that we can continue to rely on him. What if the Lord challenged Tyrock Brookline and Mars Hill Fellowship Church to see what would you do when there's a large transition that's happening that you didn't plan for, you didn't see happening. What would our congregations do in the midst of a difficult circumstance? Would we trust God? Would we give up heart? Would our faith overcome fear? God shows us these things so that we can grow in Him. And this beautiful provision of manna was one of the, one of the most amazing miracles that happened within the scriptures. I mean, as a kid, I thought it was literal um, hearing these stories. So, you know, as a kid, I thought, like, you know, I would walk outside one day and then there would just be, like, food, like, coming down. And I'd be able to, like, just go outside and eat food. And and it would just be, like, a daily provision. And uh, uh, that's not how God, uh, God blessed us with supermarkets and Amazon Prime and all those good, wonderful opportunities to get food. But this was an experience that teaches us even today of God's provision. The first thing is that God wanted the people of Israel to know that he was their ultimate provider. The one who from heaven gave them not necessarily what they expected, but what they really needed. God sustained them with provision, and it was divine provision. Provision. The second thing that God uh, taught us from this, uh, that they learned from this manner of manna provision, was that God reminded the people that self reliance will always be futile in God's sight. Self-reliance will always be futile in God's sight. That doesn't mean we don't put any energy. That doesn't mean that we don't put any effort. But self-reliance is actually an idol unto itself where we think that we can do things on our own. When God provided the daily manna, there were some who either out of a fear or lack of trust wanted to gather more than God said. You know, anytime there's something, there's always one person who always, is scheming the system. You know, that's your cousin or your your auntie or your uncle. You know, they always got a plan of how we're going to get a little bit more out of this system. And here, God had said, go out, gather enough for what you needed. And then it said there that those who gathered a lot, they had all that they needed. Those who gathered a little, they had all that they needed. But there was uncle. He had put his little stash on the side. Well, see, y'all going out six days a week. See, I'm going to make it simple on me. You know, if I just go out three days a week, I won't have to do as much work as everybody else. And so I'm just going to go and, and get all the food that I need. So I'll gather a few extra over there. But you know what? They were trying to rely on self. And the scriptures tell us what happened when this took place. It says, when they gathered more that was there and they tried to keep it for the next day. You know what happened? It says, it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Get that in your mind this morning. Happy lunch. (laughs) What was happening? There was something interesting that I noticed about that passage, just just as an aside. The people who tried to gather more, they did more work, and they still had less. (laughs) Self-reliance is futile. Lastly, God built up their faith by building the discipline of daily trusting in the Lord's provision. Do you rest and rely on the Lord daily? Or does God give you a pickup when you need it and the rest is sheer brute strength and self-determination? Ultimately, the provision of manna was so miraculous that in their, uh, 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 that in their last, uh, that in their, it lasted their entire time in the wilderness. And It was so amazing that the Lord said, take this, preserve it, and teach future generations. This is what the Lord did for us while we were in the wilderness. Mars Hill and High Rock, I want us to take some memorials and some snapshots of 2018, 2019. In 2020, these are a season where, though there are transitions happening and things that we're trying to discern with the Lord, we can truly say that just like the Lord provided for the children of Israel, God is providing for us. And the, the words that God is sharing with us, the, the the time that we are spending in his presence, the revival that we are experiencing, we need to c- grab hold to that, and we need to be able to share it to the future generations. In 10, 15 years, there will be people who will ask, tell me more about what happened with High Rock Brookline and Mars Hill Fellowship Church back in 2019, and you'll be able to pull out some of your worship together and your, your summer together and all of these experiences, and you'll be able to say, I remember when we were in a season and the Lord showed up and did great and mighty things. What we learn today is that if we prepare our hearts and our minds, that we will trust by faith, that our faith will overcome every aspect of fear, doesn't mean that there won't be challenges that we won't experience. Worship team, come forward, please. It doesn't mean that there won't be difficulties that won't be in front of us. Just like the children of Israel had to face the Red Sea, just like they had to face the bitter waters at Mara, just like they had to experience the time of provision, God was always thinking about them and his plan was better than that they could ever think or imagine. God may not rain down quail from the sky in 2019. We may not wake up and find manna wafers out in Longwood Park. But what we will see is that if we look around us, we will see all of God's provision all around us. Open your eyes, see God's provision, and see his hand at work.